The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. All right, so we're connecting uh, and completing uh, with our traditional January Back to Basics series, where we review these basic principles and how beautiful it is to know uh, that this is not only a spiritual but a very practical teaching. It's really a way of living, and we, we uh, are about living a more productive, effective, uh, generous, and joyous a kind of life. I mean, there are a lot of religions and paths out there that teach people how to die, but we're very intent on teaching ourselves how to live, how to live in this life. And have you ever noticed <laughs> that there are lots of folks who very much are willing to share their spiritual views with you, but are not too interested in you sharing yours with them. Have you ever noticed that? I was reflecting this week on a time when uh, uh, we, uh, about the early turn of the 2000s, uh, Erica and I and our family, we weren't living in the home we have been in now for 15 years. We were in another neighborhood here in town, and it seemed like we were very regularly getting visitors, religious visitors at our doors with lots of material and stuff for us, and lots of Jehovah's Witnesses and other beautiful souls. And um, and so, you know, I was always the recipient of much um, written material, and it dawned on me, I got creative one day, and I thought, you know, why don't I share some of our material? And so I, there's this little, I put a couple of our Science of Mind magazines, the movement, magazine of our movement, on a table nearby, and sure enough, about two months later, the doorbell rang, and I looked outside, and I said, oh, there, there they are. And so I grabbed a magazine, and I went to the door, and I listened to the, the spiel, and, and then the material was being handed to me, and I said, you know what, I'll tell you what. I will take and read your material if you will take and read this magazine from my church. And I stepped out the door, and this person had a shocked look on his face and started backing up. And I said, yeah, in our church, we bless all faiths. And I heard the first of what would be many guttural utterances. And, and, and I said, oh, and, and at our church, we hug a lot, and we believe in healing. And he kept backing up, and another utterance. And I said, oh, and I tell you what, we've got a bunch of buildings, a lot of which are domes, and one of them looks like a spaceship. Now he was turning and walking down the, the walk. And I said, and we have these practitioner prayer partners. They, are gonna, they would be willing to come and meet with you and pray with you. Now he was at a trot back to his car, hopped in the car, had a dazed look, and I said, God bless you. And I heard one of the last guttural utterances, and he pulled out and sped away. <laughs> we didn't get too many of those visitors anymore, <laughs> I noticed. The science of mind and spirit is an affirmative teaching. It's affirmative. It, first of all, affirms your position as the creative center of your life, that you are endowed with certain creative capacities by your creator. And we're beginning to understand this so that we can actually use that. And in so doing, we take responsibility for the direction and quality of our lives. Uh, Somebody recently read said, Mercury is no longer in retrograde. Everything is officially your own fault again. You know, but always we know it's been our responsibility all the way along, no matter where the planets are heading. Science of mind affirms. It first of all affirms the one life, the creative love and intelligence, the ultimate energy and author of this universe, as not a distant entity afar, but as the very life and energy in which all things live, move, and have their being. And this one life, this infinite love, 
imbues all creation with its spirit, and everything expresses that life. Thus, we affirm that you are intrinsically a spiritual being and a being of worth, that you are an activity of God living within God, expressing God to the degree of your awareness of that, that you are one with that creator eternally. Thus, you too are of intrinsic and undeniable worth. We affirm this for you and for all. And we say to everyone who has a heart to hear, don't judge your life by your past or by all of the decrees or the verdicts or the things that have been said about you. Turn within and know the truth of you. Know that you are a being of light. Know that you are a being of unlimited value. Know that you have creative potential greater than you know. Know that if you can get your inner life squared away, the rest of your life can move forward in grace. Know that as you know the truth about you, when the hard times and the difficult times come along on your way, that you have the resources to stand strong like the mighty oak, deeply rooted in a higher truth about you, and the storms will pass. And you'll be even the greater for them. We affirm who you are. But the science of mind comes along and it says, here's what you got to do. Our job in the creative scheme of things is to heighten and to enhance the quality and the frequency of our awareness. And then the universe will create a vibrational match to that awareness in our experience. But our job is to enhance the quality and the frequency of our awareness. And then we realize the universe creates that vibrational match in the goings-on of our lives. And how beautiful it is to know this, to know that there's a universal creative law that's an aspect of the divine that works with ideas And that thought, once activated with clarity and feeling, is creative. Which is why it is written, As thou hast believed, so shall it be done unto you. Yeah, the science of mind affirms all this and more. So as we conclude our series, I'd like to then deal with the the I am empowerment practices for this week. Each of the previous three Sundays, we've had different I am empowerment practices. And so this week, I am stands for illumining, activating, and mastering. Let's talk about illumining. The science of mind and spirit allows us to wake up and to illumine our consciousness. And the chief means by which we do this is affirmative prayer. Affirmative prayer. Perhaps the most powerful gift of this teaching, and one that I would pray any and everybody who hangs out here learns and really learns well, because it makes life so beautiful. Now there's, I know, a whole lot of confusion about prayer. Um, Many ways of doing it, and all sorts of superstitions about it. I think, bottom line, what I would say to you about affirmative prayer is it is not something you do to God. It's not trying to change God. It's not something you do to problems or situations in life. It's not something you do to any of those things, any situation. Affirmative prayer is what we do to ourselves, within ourselves. 
Now, if we can get that realization clear, then we can re-embrace a prayer life that is rich and full, that lifts us up, that, that vibrates within us, that inspires us, that reminds us of the high and holy truths about our life amidst all the voices who would tell us that we don't have what it takes or that we're not powerful. We have a prayer that can activate that sense of the Spirit within us. And so we pray to know the truth that is. We don't pray to some distant, separate deity out there, some deity many believe to be either disinterested uh, or overworked or generally exasperated with humanity, but the very love and life of the divine everywhere present. That's what we seek to know in our lives. Now, I believe that one of the greatest teachers of prayer and consciousness was Jesus. He said some very powerful things about prayer. First of all, he said, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Trying to help us eliminate the fear of God and have the revering of God, not the fearing of God, but the realization that the infinite desires for us to grow and to be joyous and to prosper and to lead meaningful lives. I mean, if the divine was intent upon creating you flawed from the beginning and creating obstacles and tests you couldn't overcome, it would be self-defeating. The divine would be self-defeating, and that's impossible. The divine has to be according to that which it is, infinite intelligence and love. So it is the Father's good pleasure to give you spirit, to give you life, and to give you all of the aspects of life that you can embrace. It's Father's good pleasure. And that great teacher said, your Father knows what you have need of before you ask. What that helps us understand is that the divine mind knows all possibilities, all possibilities for life and for good. And when we awaken to some greater good in our lives, the divine knows of that. No, no need any longer to school the divine on your problems and on your life. It already knows. And you're living in the lap of this infinite abundance of ideas and good given of God already. Already. Already for you. And then that great teacher said a couple of things about praying. He said, first of all, when you pray, forgive anybody else in your life you need to forgive. Because if you're carrying inner upset and anger... That is, quite frankly, the most active prayer in your life. It's a prayer for limitation, for separation, for heartache for you. So he said, heal those things. Then he said, when you pray, go into your closet and pray to your father who sees in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. What he is saying, your prayer is an inner life. You see, in that day, people were apt to be standing on the street corners, beating their chests and praying aloud to God and making a big deal of it, mostly to be seen. Uh, And he said, I don't want any of that. When you pray, turn within. Go into the inner consciousness, the inner closet, and pray to the divine that you connect with there. And that divine will reward you openly. There will be results in your life from that inner connection. Most importantly, though, he said, when you pray, believe that you have received and you shall receive. Understanding that it's not about convincing the divine. It's no longer about beseeching God or begging or bargaining. It's, it's about our believing. 
And it's as though our believing is the outlet through which the divine good flows. So if we can expand our believing, more of that divine good can flow into our lives. Oh, how good it is to know these things. We like to say around here, there's no spot where God is not. And also that there's a divine mind counterpart for every human need. In other words, whatever the problem, there's the answer held in the mind of God. And we can open up to that in our lives. Our founder, Ernest Holmes, he wrote, Affirmative prayer is not something one does to another, not something one does to an environment, nor to a situation. It is always the thing one does to oneself. To oneself. It opens up the avenues of thought, expands the consciousness, and lets reality through. It clarifies the mentality and removes the obstructions of thought and lets in the light. Before I give you a brief sample of of prayer for you, affirmative prayer, I got a letter from a person who had taken our, our foundational course, the one I'm inviting you, if you've never done one of these, to get into immediately. Uh, they start the first week of February. And uh, she wrote, she had just completed that. I was in uh, your Beyond Limits, Science of Mind 101 class, and I want to write you to let you know how powerful this class was for me. Going into class, I had some arrogance about it because I have taken many classes from many teachers on spirituality and new thought, as well as read many books on the subject over the years, and I didn't think I was going to learn much. Boy, was I mistaken. The approach to metaphysics and the things that you have taught in those eight weeks have blown me away. I had been in a desert kind of life for about three years, losing almost everything I had, completely in financial ruin, and yet knowing that the universe would somehow, some way, support me eventually. She talked about being 65 and how she had had previously a nice income and had raised three children, Uh, but now she found herself moving three times in two years, living with roommates from paycheck to paycheck. She said, I didn't think I had fear regarding my situation until this class uncovered the fear, as subtle as it was, the fear that I was holding and that was blocking me from receiving. Once I discovered this, I started taking a deeper look at it and peeling away the layers. Things started opening up for me immediately. On a whim, I applied for a job that would earn me more money, better benefits, and I'd be doing something I love doing, serving humanity. And within three hours of applying, I heard back from the director wanting to interview me. Within a week of applying, I was offered the job, which I started on December 17th. Later in the letter, she talks about receiving an unexpected check in the mail and then meeting a person with whom she was forming a quality relationship after many years being divorced. And she completes it saying, I believe with all my being that learning affirmative prayer, which I had not learned in any other teachings, is paramount in all these miracles happening in my life. I believe that everything that you teach in this class is so essential in building a solid foundation. I was so silly to think I wouldn't learn in this class. It's one of the most profound I have ever taken. I now feel ready to move on to those more advanced classes with a good solid base, and I'm so grateful for you and for all the practitioners and for Mile High Church. See, that's it right there. That's it. So good. So now, here's an initial, simple version of affirmative prayer. You'll learn a a deeper and even richer one when you get into the classes. I call it the gift of affirmative prayer. Now, our founder called affirmative prayer spiritual mind treatment. Thus, I want to simplify it and just call it uh, the gift of affirmative prayer. But it's God is, and if you use the gift as an acronym, God is, I am, from now on, thanks and take over. Let's say that together. God is, I am, 
from now on, thanks and take over. These are four simple stages through which we take our awareness. First, we become still and we meditate upon the reality of the presence of God. Not distant, not later, but here and now. God is all light, all love, all intelligence, all good. The one life that we're always living within, that all of creation is living within. We then move to a deeper realization of who we really are, not our problems, not our past, not the things that have been said about us, not our fears. We declare who we really are, that we're pure spirit. We're an expression of God, a child of God, that we're imbued with and endowed with the qualities and capacities of God. And we come to know that which we really are. And when we're stoked up with those first two steps, then we move into the from now on stage, which is where we declare from a more clear and powerful space within us that which is so about us. From now on, I am. And we declare that which we are holding and knowing to be so about us. And they become thought seeds, like the spiritual prototype for the eventual condition in our life. We might declare, I am prosperous. I am guided. I am blessed. I'm strengthened. I know that creative ideas are unleashed within me. I'm strong and I go forth with confidence into my life. I know that all things work together for good in my life. And I declare it to be so for me. And having planted those seeds in the divine law, the divine mind, we then give thanks that it is already done. Just as a farmer gives thanks when he plants the seeds, the harvest is on the way. And then we turn it over to a power and an intelligence greater than we are that forms everything that is conceived in thought. Now, you can put this to work in your own life. You don't have to work hard at it. It's a gentle, clarifying, and inward healing that allows the universe to work through you. This is the illumining offered by the science of mind and spirit. Illumining is the first step. And then activating when we, sometimes around here when we say we're praying, we're doing a treatment or retreat, which is Dr. Holmes' terminology. And he would also say, treat and move your feet. You just don't do a prayer and sit around and wait for good stuff to fall on your doorstep. You take action, but you don't take frantic action or fearful action. You move from inspired action as this intelligence working through your idea, through your prayer, guides you to be in the right place at the right time guides you to meet certain people, guides you to read something, guides you. And, and we, we're, what we teach here is that our good really doesn't come to us, it comes through us, through our faith, through our believing, through our consciousness. And so we move into action. And we also understand that we seek to live our treatment, we live our prayer. We want to be consistent and congruent with the prayer. And so, so as we speak and as we move in the world... We do it in, in harmony with our prayer. We speak as one who is prosperous. We speak as one who knows that he, she is guided, has opportunity, etc., etc. And, and we, we become the living embodiment, the living activation of our prayer in our lives. And this is such a very powerful thing. Moreover, the activation of our prayer is that we also see with new eyes. We see a world of oneness. We see the face of God everywhere we look. Living out our prayer, illumining through prayer, then activation, and then finally, mastering. The science of mind and spirit is a path of life mastery. And I believe, ultimately, life mastery is living beyond 
fear. And living as love. So many individuals, as they get acculturated in our Western society, live fear-based lives. Fearing for others, fearing for life itself, fearing for themselves. And there's so many voices and forces of fear out there in the world. So many voices that want to have us afraid of everything. Want to fill us with fear so we'll do ridiculous things. You know, fill us with fear constantly because if you can make people afraid, then you've got a certain degree of power over them. But here's the deal. There's very little, if any, power, true power in fear. Your power and my power are in our hearts. So life mastery is about embracing the path of heart and cultivating a love-based life. A love-based life. Because as it says, perfect love casts out fear. When we know the love of the infinite, we know the love that's in our own hearts. We start vibrating with a license of a higher order, as Thoreau put it. And, And our lives begin to be this emanation of good and of, of benefit in this world. A heart-based life. They say the ultimate fear for we humans is the fear of death. There's a lot of superstition about that too. Um, and a lot of faiths use fear of death and the afterlife to compel certain behaviors. But for us, Dr. Holmes said, all the greatest teachings are telling us that death is not an ending, but what we call it in this teaching, a transition. So that's sort of our lingo. We make our transition because we're really just leaving one dimension and moving into another. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions, meaning many dimensions. And so this is just one parenthesis in eternity, this lifetime of ours. And you're enjoying this parenthesis in eternity here to learn, to grow, to give, to become, and... There'll come a time when you let go of this physical uh, vehicle for that journey, which was never who you really were in the first place. I love the way Dwayne Elgin puts it, that this body is a biodegradable spacesuit for soul-evolving experiences. <laughs> so you see, you are not the spacesuit. You're the one in it. And yeah, you'll lay it aside. We all will. To no injury to our spirit. And we believe that the very arms of the divine greet us and we move forward to continue our eternal journey of becoming as a child of the divine. So we can even put that fear away and truly lead a heart-centered life. How to use the science of mind? Bring in the light, illumining. Move out into the world, activating it. And mastery through the heart. I want to close with one of my very, very favorite illustrations. It's from a beloved author and colleague minister, Robert Fulgham. He writes initially about a time when he was in college, and he'd get done with a semester of classes, and inevitably he'd go to that last class uh, of the many classes ending, and each of the professors would say, um, well, thank you for being in this class, students, and uh, does anybody have any questions? And he would always raise his hand, and the professor would say, yes. And he said, and Fulgham would always ask, what is the meaning of life? 
And everybody would laugh, and then they'd, get all, they'd all get their stuff and leave, just thinking it was a joke. Many times, Fulgham actually sincerely would love to have heard from the professor. But this was his habit over his years in college. When he was in his 40s, he had decided to take a two-week seminar on peacemaking on the island of Crete, the Greek island of Crete, in a little town called Gonya. <clears throat> and there's a monastery there run by Alexander Papaderos. And uh, it's an interesting monastery. It's, it sits between two cemeteries. On one cemetery are uh, the remains of the, the young people of Crete who died in the German occupation. In the other cemetery are some of the German paratroopers who also died. There was a whole lot of war-making that had gone on there. And so there was a seminar being conducted on peacemaking. And at the end of that seminar, Alexander Papaderos thanked everybody for giving that much time to this, this, and he said, are there any final questions? And from a deep habit place within him, Fulgham found his hand rising in the air, and he said, what is the meaning of life? And again, all the participants laughed and started getting up to leave. And Papadero said, no, 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 sit down. No, he said, please sit down. I will answer your question for me. And he went on to tell them all about how when he was a young boy uh, during the war, they were so poor and they lived in a remote village. And when the Nazi paratroopers came, it was a time of great tragedy. And as a young boy, he couldn't make any sense of this. And Papaderos told them, one day on the road, I found the broken pieces of a mirror. A German motorcycle had been wrecked in that place, destroyed by one of our bombs. I tried to find all the pieces and put them together, but it was not possible. So I kept only the largest piece. And Papaderos reached into his pocket and he held it up and he said, this one. And by scratching this on a stone, I made it round. And I began to play with it as a toy and became fascinated by the fact that I could reflect light into dark places where the sun would never shine, in deep holes and crevices and dark closets. It became a game for me to get light into the most inaccessible places I could find. I kept that little mirror, and as I went about my growing up, I would take it out in idle moments and continue the challenge of the game. As I became a man, I grew to understand that this was not just a child's game, but a metaphor for what I might do with my life. And he paused, then he said to the class, I am a fragment of a mirror, a divine mirror, whose whole design and shape I do not know. Nevertheless, with what I have, I can reflect light into the dark places of this world, into the dark places in the hearts of people, and change some things. Perhaps others may see and do likewise. This is what I am about. This is the meaning of my life. And Fulgham writes, And then Papaderos took his small mirror, and holding it carefully, caught the bright rays of daylight streaming through the, rift, through the window, and reflected them onto my face and onto my hands folded on the desk. I'm reminded that it says in the book of John, in God was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. That was the true light that lights every person that comes into this world. 
how to use the science of mind, ultimately, it's about shining our light. And so I want to tell you that I know who you are. You're a being of light. You're my brother. You're my sister. And I want this physical symbol of illumining and light to touch each of you. And as you experience the hurts and the angers and the upsets and the judgments of life, I invite you to smooth out the rough edges and to use all that to shine the light of that higher life in you into this troubled and hurting world. I invite you to remember that that great one said, you are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. People don't light a candle and put a bushel over it. Take off that bushel that it might illumine the place and that all might see. And so may it be that we will shine our lights as we use this teaching, as we move into illumination not so caught up in all that's going on in the world that we forget the sanctity and the power of our being. To know that light within us and to shine it generously, lovingly, consistently in our life. That's how to use this stuff. And that's how also to fulfill your divine mandate I love you, and I love what we're doing. I love this church and teaching, always will. I love that this spiritual beacon, my light church, is fueled by the light in every one of us. And so as changes continue to unfold, I know we'll keep our lights lit, bright, and support empowering this beautiful spiritual beacon of ours, calling so many who are seeking this into our midst. And so I love you and I bless you. And I know the light of the Spirit sustains you and guides you in all that you are and all that you do. I've just about got all of you here. (laughs) Yeah. You beautiful beings of light, may you know the joy of God's presence in your heart and your mind. May you think and live creatively and know how blessed you are. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, text 720-230-1404 or visit us at milehighchurch.org.